0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Build Your Team Show. As always, I am your host, team, and I have one of my newest friends, and we spent some good time together. One, because we know a lot of people in common, but two, those people who we know in common put us together because we think so much alike and we're so connected on a lot of things. And as always, Build Your Team is brought to you by Client Attraction Pros, Hey, it's time that you become the thought leader of your industry. And we're going to help you do that and make it fast, easy, and fun. So Tom Ruich, I'd love to introduce you. Welcome. Welcome to the show, buddy. I am happy to be here, Atiba. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. So listen, Tom, I want to, as I do with a lot of people, I want to take you back. Because right? you've been in business for a while now, and mm-hmm. I want to take you back to that point where you realized, I can't do this alone. I need some help. I need to hire someone. Right, It's an inflection point for all of us who have teams who are in business to realize that. But then there's also all of this angst and anxiety that comes with it. Right, What was that time like for you?
1: Yeah, well the first thing i would say is that it is times plural because <laughs> i've experienced it, i've learned and then i make the same mistake and realize, wait a minute, i should have should have gotten this right the first time. So, i'll go back to 2001 when okay. i founded an email service provider company called Marketable marketing is software to create, deliver, track email campaigns. And we were doing email marketing mm-hmm. back at a time where very few people have heard of it, much less tried it. And right. so when I started this company, it was me partnering with a software development company. So the tech, the development of the technology was pretty well covered because they had people, developers and project mm-hmm engineers and so forth. But I ran that company way too long without putting people around me who were assisting Mm. with marketing and sales, who were assisting with customer support. I launched this company and launched the software wearing every single hat. And part of the problem is that I like to get in and do things. I like to work in the business. I enjoy that. But I quickly realized the hard way that if I'm spending all my time working in the business, I'm quoting Michael Gerber here in the ES. if you spend all your time working in the business, you never spend enough time working on the business. So the strategic planning, the growth of the business, the scaling of the business was suffering. And so I began to invest in all of those things I talked about. We hired sales reps. We hired a person who ran our customer support desk and began to grow that. And as we scaled those things, I began to focus on the things that I was best suited to do. I was Mm. enjoying the work more. I was growing the business more. And on all fronts, it was working out better.
0: Yeah, yeah. Funny how that happens, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's interesting because so many of us fall into that same trap of, and you didn't use this word, so I'm going to put a word in your mouth, wanting to control a lot. Yep. Right? And then you said you started hiring. Now, was it an epiphany bridge moment where it was just like one day you woke up and you realized, whoa, Michael Gerber's right, and you went out and hired everyone, or did that take time?
1: I think it was more of an evolution. I had read... Gerber long before I implemented the concept. And I'd heard these concepts long before I implemented part of it. You make excuses. You Mm -hmm. say, well, I want to be the first person to put the process in place so that I make sure that the processes that I'm now going to delegate are are good, are well designed and so forth. And I think the epiphany or the step off the cliff for me was to say, You know what? No, I can hire people to create the systems. As long as I set mission and vision and define the boundaries and make clear the charge for the people that I'm going to bring in, Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring in good people who can do that for me. Now, uh, there's a whole thing there about bringing in good people. That's, people, That's not a given. And I learned some hard lessons about how to hire the right people. And, you know, just because they charm me doesn't mean that they are well suited for the job and learn that the hard way also during the course of this journey.
0: Well, you should know we've got to talk about that because the hiring of good people is kind of like that saying in content marketing, just write good content. (laughs) right? Right? Like, okay, what does that actually mean and how do we get to hiring good people. And I think for a lot of people, it feels like, okay, I just gotta go through a bunch of people until I find a good apple, right? Right. Has that been your experience or have you started to devise a formula of recognizing someone who's not just charming you, but is actually a good person?
1: Well, part of the formula is that for key hires Mm -hmm. I now will turn to experts who help in the process so Mm -hmm. when we began to build a sales team and had some false starts we hired some people who didn't work out and then we tried again and it was as you described well roll through a few bad ones before we find the good one i then brought somebody in who was skilled in implementing assessments and in talking to me to understand the business and what I needed and what my vision was for the business so that the process of bringing the right person was aligning with that. And she asked me hard questions and she pushed me and she was the one who would say, yeah, that person you like so much, who you would love to hire, that's the wrong person for the job. Mm. So relying on somebody else's expertise in this area, was really an important step that I took and it's analogous to everything we're talking about right I finally let go I said I'm not going to be the HR director and the CEO of this company I'm going to bring in somebody who has skills in HR and can help us find the right person and in that case it was an outside contractor not a full-time employee
0: Okay. That was going to be my next question was, did yeah. you hire a firm a contract? Okay, great. So yeah. you've found someone. So now for a lot of people listening to us, that's going to be a moment right there. Right. Right. Because it feels like, oh my gosh, I need to do all this hiring. This is my company. You want me to let go of who I'm bringing in. Right. Now you said you've made the same mistake multiple times. Which I understand being a serial entrepreneur, I totally understand that. And, you know, hopefully we get to making the mistakes slower and slower each time we get better each time with that. Right. But did you also, as you progress through businesses, find it necessary or bring in that outside HR person? And if so, how did you find them?
1: Yeah, and in my case, running Vault, which was a company with clients around the globe, but also a very focused, we were a regional company primarily. Mm -hmm. And so most of our clients were from the Midwest of the United States. A lot of our clients were from St. Louis, Missouri, where I live and where we were headquartered. And so I was very active as a networker and in the local business community, the entrepreneurial community. So in my case, I had met people who had these skills, who were great at what they do, and I had invited a couple of people I knew who I thought could help me in this process into conversations. And I also had a person with whom I was masterminding. She was in a mastermind group with me. She knew all about this. She understood my business very well. And when we went to hire some sales reps at MarketVolt, she was ultimately the person that I tapped. Is that something that everybody is well positioned to do? Maybe not. But I am a believer that when you're looking for third-party resources for whatever the issue and the problem may be that you're trying to solve, tapping your network first for direct referrals is
0: always the first place that I'll start. Yes. Yes. Let's dive in there too, because I think that's, you know, it's so easy, especially coming out of COVID. Where mm-hmm. we got so insular and everyone stayed at home and you locked the door right. and you got behind a screen and you didn't see people. And now even on zoom, you still don't see people because so many people turn their cameras off, right? So right. it's sort of just like a, a telephone call on the computer now, right? And, you know, I was just at the mm-hmm. social media marketing world last week. And that was one of the big themes is, you know, we've lost networking. Right. Right, right. We've lost networking. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about building. Cause I agree with you, yeah. right? Let's talk about building your network and how that looks in 2023 and beyond in this new world of zoom and hybrid meetings and stuff. How you continue that?
1: Well, I used the word earlier referrals, so mm-hmm. I will always, when I make connections with someone whom I know, who I like, who I think brings value to me, and I think can bring value to my broader community, I will be very active about asking them, who do they know, who else should I meet? This is how you and I met Ativa. We were introduced by a mutual friend whom we both like and trust, and it's one of those, when Dean introduces me, I am going, I know I'm going to be meeting a good person and you felt the same way and we hit it off. So, uh, you know, I used to, and I still, to some extent, go to those online networking events. They're all over the place and Mm -hmm. I've met some good people that way. But what I find is that what we now call networking on LinkedIn or elsewhere Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tends to be, what's the word for it? There's a whole lot of pleased to meet you. Let's get married going on, you know, pleased to meet you. I'm going to pitch you now, let's get to it. And so what I'll do is be very selective about the people I'm connecting with those connection requests that come out of those networking events. And I've found that over time, as I've been more selective, that many of those events are proving to be pretty fruitless for me Mm -hmm. because Pretty much everybody I'm meeting is coming to them with a deficit mindset, you know, what can you do for me, not a go giving, let's discuss what I can do for you mindset. And the best relationship building that I do is to build on direct referrals and to make connections with people who understand the value of 360 degree relationships. I'm gonna bring you value, you're gonna bring me value. Let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, and that's so, so very important. You know, I'm sure you know that question was a setup because yes, that's exactly how we met, right? And it's that mutuality of someone that we trust that put us together. And you're so right, so much has become especially because of COVID, and this is my opinion, it's become transactional relationships. Yep. Right. And it's, you know, I'm desperate. I'm in need. You got money. Please give it to me. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And yeah, go on. Sorry. And to make it even worse, it's even become a place of there was somebody I was having a conversation with just recently, and the moment in time that they realized that we weren't a fit. They just walked away. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how many of those experiences I've had where people come at you hard and you say, I'm not that person. And before you could even get to the point of saying to them, but I am impressed by some of the things you have. And I may know some people to whom I could introduce you before you, you even get to that conversation. Oh, you're not buying Bye-bye, I'm walking, such a stupid approach. And you used the phrase a moment ago, Atiba, people have needs, I come to you, I have needs, and so Mm -hmm. forth. And I think one of the things that I've learned is that as you go into these environments where you're meeting people, you're networking with people, you really have to define what the need is. If the need is simply, I want somebody to sign up and raise their hand and be a customer, then you're going to have a lot of fruitless conversations because you're meeting a lot of people who are not ideal clients for you. But they might be ideal partners for you, or they might be ideal promoters for you. Somebody who might tell others about your list or your lead magnet or your book or your event. They might have a platform or access to a platform. And I have to give credit to a guy named Phil Paluccia, who's a great marketer, who Mm -hmm. talks about these four P's. I used all four of them, or we've used all four of them in the conversation. The people you meet may have potential as a purchaser, as a partner, as a promoter, or as someone with access to a platform, a podcast, a stage. And you also can be a giver around all four things. You may say, I don't have a platform. I'm not running an event. I don't have a podcast. But you may have been a guest at a podcast, or you may know somebody who runs an event. And so you can meet somebody who, no, I'm not going to buy from you. I'm not going to partner with you, but you know what? You would be great on John Doe's podcast. I know John Doe. John Doe has a great podcast. I'll introduce you. And so if you come to these conversations with that perspective, that it's not just, will you buy from me, please? And if not, the conversation's over. Or, you know, this guy just wants to sell to me. There's no value in the conversation. Well, networking becomes a a real frustrating slog. Come to it with that go-giving mentality of I have four potential P's that could be a value to this. You know, I may be a purchaser or no purchaser. I may be a promoter or no promoters. I may be a partner or no partners. I may have a platform or no platforms. And then also decide what is it I'm looking for in this conversation. This person may not be a direct prospect purchaser, but maybe right. this person can introduce me to a podcast or promote my email or whatever. Now, all of a sudden networking gets
0: much more productive and much more interesting. Absolutely. So, so very well said love the four P's. Yeah. You know, I've always looked at that too, as give value in advance, figure out how I can add value in advance before you ever ask for anything. Let's add some value to this other person's life. Right. We got here because we were talking about building your team and finding that in this case, the HR person for you, which came through networking. Right. Yeah. So let's not bring it right back around to that, to getting back to building your team and key hires. Yeah. Right. Because I think you're, as you've just said, you know, in building some of these relationships and adding value. And that's the key adding value to someone else where you don't necessarily. Have the reason at that moment to ask for value back. Just Mm -hmm. adding value because it's the right thing also puts you in a place where later on, when you are looking for it, because hey, I now know that you've figured out part of the formula for hiring great HR people through your network, and you may have others. So if I know someone who's looking for that, I'm gonna say, hey, talk to Tom. He may be able to help you. Exactly. He may have an independent consultant. Right. So. Outside of key hires, have you used networking to help you hire the right people?
1: Yeah. And so I'm going to fast forward to the last mm-hmm. three years. At the end of 2019, I sold Market Vault to a great company okay. called Benchmark Email. And I founded Story Power Marketing, which is my current company. And I had various relationships that I had built through Market Vault that carried over into my work. At Story Power, I was building new relationships. And the first hire that I made was a virtual assistant, somebody who mm. could just take all of the small activities and some of them big, you know, editing yes. some of my videos and doing a lot of things. I needed to hire a virtual assistant. And I knew that from past experience. I shouldn't be spending time on those things that I can hire a lower cost, and in this case, a very low cost person to handle for me. And there are all sorts of websites out there where you can hire a virtual assistant, Upwork and onlinejobs.ph and so on and so forth. And I knew that I didn't want to invest the time and the energy and the wheel spinning in using those sites, even though I understood you know, how to separate good candidates from bad and right. so on and so forth, I went to my network. And what happened is someone whom I knew well, who I understood was running his business well, whom I understood was using VAs to help him run his business, I reached out to him and he said, as it turns out, I have a VA who has completed a set of projects that are now finished. I'm not able to give him as much work as I would like. He's looking for work. I'm going to introduce you. And that was a really critical moment in my business because I didn't have to go through the process of spending the time of vetting nice. uh, especially when it's va's there's a process of give them test work and yep. you have to be fair in that process where you're really defining the tasks clearly or you're purposely not for the purpose of testing you know how communicative right. are they there are all sorts of processes and tricks and things that i understood how to do but in this case a trusted partner in my network of people said here's your guy i'm going to introduce you and we hit the ground running and that was a huge thing now i also ended up hiring somebody who's doing a fair amount of work for me now some copywriting some client support work and so forth and i did find this guy on upwork so i've done both both sides my business right now is reasonably small, and in terms of the number of people who are involved in the business, and those are probably the two examples of hiring that
0: makes sense for me to share. So you've taken us into the world of virtual yeah. and hiring people from around the world, which is a topic I love to talk about as you know, I've had the founder of online jobs on this show and we've talked about uh-huh. his platform and what he does and, and right. why it's so, yep. you know, he's a great guy, why it's so yeah. special and everything. Right. How is managing in the virtual world from people from around the world different than where you were with the staff that you were hiring? It may have been in person or even more local and to the US.
1: Yeah. And so the principles that apply. I think apply whether we're talking about a virtual assistant in the Philippines or whether we're Mm -hmm. talking about somebody who you've hired on Upwork, who in my case, this guy's in LA, or whether you're talking about my office manager and bookkeeper, who's right here in St. Louis and used to work for me at Market Vault in the office down the hall. So the principles are the same. And that is that, you know, starting in March, 2020, I came home, I left the office environment, my office was shut down, I had no choice, I now sit at a home office, and so I'm not down the hall from anyone who works for me. And that's changed so much, and whether it's talking to Alicia, who's just down the street but not down the hall any longer. or to Ryan in the Philippines or Brady in LA you have to be crystal clear on expectations and communication channels here is how we are going to communicate and share tasks here are my expectations here's yeah. the process and really a, a in the end, these are just core principles of delegation. Back to Gerber, actually, the, this mm-hmm. distinction—something I learned from Michael Gerber—the difference between delegating and abdicating. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the concept. You know, if you abdicate, yeah. you say, oh, "I'm it no away. longer doing this. I'm gone." Yeah. If you delegate, you have a responsibility to define, to set up processes, to be clear in the communications, and. <laughs> That's been a learning process for me since March 2020. The positive thing is I've understood the principles that I'm going for, making sure I'm clear, making sure I'm consistent, making sure there's no ambiguity, and finding the right processes and systems and tools to do that, including asking input from those I'm working with. What's working for you? What's not, what could we do to improve this process?
0: Yes.
1: Yes. Asking them to help define the system has been a really critical part of that process.
0: Yeah, no, I totally can get that. And it's one of the things that so many people I see miss is communication is two way. Oh yeah. And you know, they think I've figured it out, I've given, and I'm going to here's my delegation but you don't ever stop to understand how was that received and what was missing so i can do it better the next time Yep. right so have you ever had an experience where you hired someone with the mind to delegate it didn't work out and you realize it's because even though you thought you were delegating you actually were
1: Yeah, I think in retrospect, when I talk about the fact that we churned through some sales reps before we Mm -hmm. landed on the right ones and with the help of the consultant I mentioned, Mm -hmm. that's half the story. Half the story is that we weren't hiring the right people until the consultant helped us. The other Mm -hmm. half of the story is that I wasn't setting those people up for success because, just as you said, I was doing more abdication than delegation. I had been wearing the hat of primary sales rep for this company and just sort of, I modeled the demo, I provided them the materials they needed, but I didn't really give them all of the tools and all of the training uh, yeah. and all of the systems they needed and two things happened first as they were spinning their wheels i then would go in and micromanage and say do it this way which well there that wasn't the first thing the first thing is when it wasn't going well i'd just hold them accountable for their numbers without then stepping forward and assisting when i stepped forward and assisted it was more me from on high saying do it this way Mm -hmm. not allowing them to feel empowered and own Mm -hmm. the system Mm -hmm. and only after it became a collaboration where we began to have conversations about, well, here's how you tell me you're doing it right now. Let's discuss what would work better for you so that it was true delegation, them owning the process. I forget the name of the guy who wrote the book, Work the System. Do you know that book? I'll look it up before, or you can get it to the show notes. Give me one second. Work the System. Work the System, Sam Carpenter. Sam Carpenter. Okay, got it. Yeah. Workthesystem.com. It's a great book, and it's a story of a business owner who was sleeping on the floor at the office because he was one of those do-everything business owners, and the business was failing, and ultimately, he learned how to put systems in place and how to delegate properly. And his whole thing is that the CEO is there to set the mission and the direction, Mm -hmm. and that All of the processes, that all of the systems that run the business should be created by the people who are responsible for implementing the systems. And that the CEO's job should not be to say, here is the system, run it. And that's a mistake that I made that, you know, maybe that was even after I realized I had abdicated. I made that mistake of saying well the way I'm going to fix that is by handing them from on high a system. And then I realized that was a mistake. And only after they owned the system and they put it in place was I able to really see the kind of success that I wanted to see with my team. So the first several chapters, the first 75 pages of the book are sort of his descent into misery. Where he talks about, you know, being the CEO who tried to run everything and sleeping there. And after about 30 pages, you sort of feel like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. Let's skip to the epiphany part. But once he gets to the epiphany part, it's really helpful both strategically and tactically and I don't think you're gonna read it and think wow I hadn't thought of that you know it's not gonna have any grand epiphanies you already get this when I first read it I bought copies for everybody on my team and I said this is how we're going to approach this And I would often cite it because he talks about, for example, I had an employee who even after I properly delegated would constantly come to me for permission, Tom, would it be all right if I do this? Or Tom, what do you think I should do a or B? And I got into the habit of saying to him, what do you think? What do you think you should do? A or B. And he'd look at first, he'd look at me and I'd say, do you remember reading Carpenter? Yes. Okay. This is your decision. And if something goes wrong, we can discuss
0: what we learn from that. But this is your decision. This is your process. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, going back to where we started initially, a lot of times it's about control. Right. And not wanting to give up control. Right. Mm -hmm. know i sent a message to someone on our team yesterday and i said okay so what you did was wrong but i am so Mm -hmm. appreciative of the fact that you did it that you didn't sit on your hands but instead you got up you saw an issue that someone else was having right and you said let me go out and fix it in this way Mm -hmm. and then just let a know by happenstance that this is what i did now, what you did was incomplete. You didn't understand everything. But the fact that you did that, yeah, you took that ownership, yeah. right? And you said, let's systemize this process so that we can stop having miscommunication. Kudos to you for that. You know, yeah,
1: and- and I love that story because a good system answers the questions that are going to be asked and anticipate those branches in the road, Mm -hmm. and we've all been the consumer at uh, let's say the hotel desk where something's not going right and the person at the desk says, I'm sorry, sir, I can't help you because there's no system to allow them to wiggle and they don't know an answer and they don't feel as if they have the authority to act. So the fact that you have a business where somebody felt comfortable and confident enough to act without having to call is important and the fact that you handled it the way you handled it means the system is now evolving and getting stronger while they still feel ownership of it empowered yes yeah yeah that's beautiful that's what we're talking about
0: yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. exactly what we're talking about. Right. I'll tell you one, one quick story before we end, it just happened. So we went to, but as you know, I'm not in my normal studio. I'm in San Diego and we went to Tijuana recently. And so we went to exchange money, right. To get pesos. Now I know once I cross the board, I've got to catch a taxi. Mm-hmm. Right. And I also know that the taxi drivers know that you just changed money. And so right. they try to price. They're fair in a way that it comes in the middle where you have to overpay them because Uh they know the money that you got when you exchanged. And so knowing this going in, I'm like, okay, I'm exchanging the money and I asked the ladies and, you know, hey, you gave me a bunch of 20s. Can I change these for some 10s? She says, no, I can't do that. Right? And I'm thinking, but why? Then we get the receipt. And on the receipt, it told her exactly every denomination and how many to give me. And she was not allowed to change that, right? And it's like a completely inflexible system, which I understand they're trying to make sure that it's money and it's safe and so on and so forth, but it's two tens for 120. Yeah. But she has no power and control. And so she never feels empowered at her job. She always feels like she's under a thumb. Yeah. And when people feel like they're under a thumb, our businesses can't grow.
1: I completely agree. We could, there's a huge rabbit hole we could go down. We don't have time. We'll talk (laughs) again some other time about this. You know, talking here about human beings making human decisions. And too many businesses are so mechanized. Every decision is pre-programmed that those human interactions, hey, I need a little help here. Here's the reason. And there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to give you tens. The only reason is mechanizing the process for mechanization's sake so that there's no possibility of mistakes or variation. Well, if you program your business so that there's no opportunity for mistakes and variations yeah maybe you avoid the situation that you just described atiba where an empowered employee acted and made a mistake but your business is less human less flexible less connected to its clients and in the end as you said it doesn't scale so yeah a great story perfect story (laughs)
0: No, thank you. It just can't. And so I hope for all of you listening to us that you're hearing that. Right. And you know, I talk a lot about systems, a lot about systems and the importance of systems, but the importance of the system is so that you can understand the outcome that you are trying to get to, right? The system helps you get to the outcome. Yeah. Right. But the system doesn't mean that this is the only way to do it. And it doesn't mean that the system can't evolve in order to help you get to the outcome more efficiently. Yep. Yep. Right?
1: Yeah, evolve. We've used that word a couple of times here. It's so critical. And yeah, and that is, you know, we as human beings have evolved. The stories I've told about my business process, I've learned and evolved. Your system is evolving based on the experience you had yesterday with your employee. Yes. That's what it's all about. If you put yourself in that box, here's the system, it's unchanged, no flexibility, you won't evolve. And
0: yes. and your business will be stuck. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Absolutely. Well, Tom, as you said a little while ago, we could go down a rabbit hole here. And unfortunately, we've reached (laughs) the end of our time. So we're going to have to come back another time and go down this rabbit hole together, (laughs) right? And really talk on that topic. But right now, what I'd love for you to do, because we've talked about your two businesses, right? But I want you to tell everybody, where are you now? What are you doing now? Who do you serve? And how do you serve them? And how can they reach you? Beautiful, yeah. So I am
1: the CEO and founder of Story Power Marketing. Coaches, authors, consultants, anyone who is trying to package their expertise for sale to serve clients, they Mm -hmm. hire me to power up their creative content and storytelling. Because most of them are still dishing out the same old boring blah, blah, blah content, especially true now that many of them are pushing buttons and having robots write it for them. And then prospects are tuning out and moving on and those experts and authors and so forth are feeling frustrated and stuck. So I teach them how to transform their content from boring to brilliant, how to turn the marketing process from frustrating to fruitful and fun, and ultimately how to convert the bottom line My bottom line is that if you can create content, email, social, blog posts, videos, and so forth, that is both informative and entertaining and story powered, you can be the one to stand out in this world where just the haystack of sameness is just growing exponentially. You don't have to be another needle in that haystack, you can be the one who stands out, and I teach my clients how to do that through a variety of means. The best place to start is simply to go to my website, storypowermarketing.com, sign up for my email list where I practice what I preach, and demonstrate how this can be done with email, but there are other resources you can get on the website and you can connect with me directly by replying to the emails or by checking me out on LinkedIn. Just look me up on LinkedIn. And I guess the table will put all that in the show notes. So that's the way to, that's the
0: way to find me. Absolutely. And as you said, thank you for that. Everything will be in the show notes, all of Tom's links. Definitely check him out. Okay. the Guy's good. Like, if you didn't hear it already, (laughs) he's good at what he does. And if you're in that place where you really need to tell your story better, remember we were just talking about networking and who you meet and so on and so forth? Guess what? By listening here, you just networked with Tom. Yeah. Through me, you have just networked with Tom. Reach out to him. He'll help you tell your story. Tom, thank you, my friend. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, very happy to be here. This will be, this is not the first conversation I was about to say, this will be the first of many. This is the fourth or fifth, uh, (laughs) many. and I'm so happy that Dean introduced us and
0: so honored to be on your show. Thanks very much. Absolutely. Thanks for being here, buddy. All right, everybody. Bye-bye.